0: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 429 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, December 4th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at Woodley Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, make sure you're checking out every show on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm telling you, every show, whether it's Locked On Nuggets. I mean, We had Adam Mardes on earlier this week to talk about the Nuggets. That's a very good show. Adam's very smart. You can listen to Locked On Pelicans. You can listen to Locked On Seahawks. There are a million podcasts in the network for you to check out. Well, not a million, like a hundred, but it's a ton for you to check out. And if you find a host or, network or, or podcast that you like, whether it's college football, whether it's the, the, the NBA, the NFL, all that stuff if you find a host of the network that you like make sure you're going to their specific itunes stitcher spotify or google play page and subscribing and or rating and reviewing if you're able to do that on whatever app i'm being told that you can't review stuff on spotify which is very annoying and i keep asking people to review there i apologize i apologize if i've confused you or anything like that uh, but if you can review on whatever podcast platform you use please leave a rating or review it's very very nice and helps us out with rankings and algorithms Locked on Raptors was in like the top twenty-five last week, so uh, thank you to everyone who's helped do that. It's it's been awesome. We have had a really good couple weeks here. Our highest downloaded show of all time happened last week, the one with John Godis. So uh, he supplanted Vivek, who was originally in like the top three spots of all time as the guest on the highest downloaded episode. So maybe we'll have to top it today. Uh, speaking of Vivek, he's here today. Vivek, what's going on, buddy?
0: I I'm here to reclaim my spot now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> actually I'm technically technically I think the belt was actually held by James Herbert. He came on and it was like right before that Bucks game where the, both teams were undefeated and everyone was very excited and then uh. they got a million downloads for that one. And then you have like the next three highest or next five highest. Like you, your, your episodes are always well listened to because, I don't know, people love you and not me. Um, but John Godis came on and we had a very highly rated episode as well because it was tied to the Warriors game and that is always going to drive business. I wish the Raptors played the Warriors every goddamn day. It would be delightful. But <laughs> they do not do that. They played the Denver Nuggets on Monday night. So we're going to recap that game today, kind of dive into what went wrong. The Raptors lost 106-103, I believe was the final score uh kind of a game the Raptors deserve to lose by a lot more I think based on the way they played but they still kind of made it work and got it and had a nice fourth quarter to kind of keep it close and then some back and forth some good shot making from both teams at the end of the game I think and some good defense as well mixed in there too by in particular the Nuggets and then a weird foul call on Serge Ibaka that was probably a foul but like considering everything else that had been called that quarter I don't know Little bit dubious. Obviously, there's nothing like nefarious going on, but just like a, a bummer of a, of a game ender on that foul call because there was not really a chance. The Raptors, I guess, got a three up at the end of the game to try to tie it, but it wasn't, It was they didn't have the advance or anything like that, so it was pretty tough to get a good look. Anyway, Raptors lose 106, 103, so we're going to talk about that today. And I guess we'll start by getting into our uh, usual softball question I lobbed, I lobbed your way, Vivek. What was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' loss to the Nuggets on Monday night?
0: Biggest takeaway: I am now officially concerned about the defensive rebounding. Okay. Um, second champ, chance points was twenty-three to two for the Denver Nuggets, mm-hmm. uh, and you know I, I, we we went over this a bit early in the season, uh, where we talked about you know the Raptors adjusting to playing with with just one big, um, and things of that nature. And so now I think we're into the part of the season where we're past a, the quarter mark of the season where you can start to say that this is now a concerning pattern. Um, You look at some of the teams that have been able to abuse them on the offensive glass, teams like Denver. um, You want to think that this is something that can be rectified. And I think the thing that might be most frustrating for Nick Nurse is the fact that when they do engage and they are fully focused, it is something that's rectified. So Mm -hmm. we talked about 23 second chance points for the Nuggets. Um, they the Raptors were pretty lackluster in the first half and that's when Denver got 17 of those second chance points they only had 6 in the second half mm-hmm. so it's not like this is um, an issue that can't be fixed, it, it's very much a focus thing, an energy thing an effort thing, which is usually what rebounding is about, um, long shots long rebounds, that's kind of been the story of their issues on the defensive glass where they're playing great defense, they're Giving up consistently, you know, in the low forties and even lower in terms of percentage uh, of, of field goal percentage allowed. Mm-hmm. So now it's it's about closing out those possessions with the defensive rebound. Um, and when they when they're able to do it, they're very very difficult to score against and uh, compete with. Uh, but when they don't, it, it allows these opportunities um, for teams to take advantage. And Denver most certainly did that.
1: Yeah, I talked about this with Adam on the preview podcast on Monday, and we kind of touched on the exact same thing. In in looking at the matchup, Adam had his own reservations about how the Raptors were a poor matchup for Denver, but I just looked at the rebounding numbers, and I think Denver came into the game. They are now officially number one in, in offensive rebounding percentage. I think they were number two going in. They boosted that up pretty significantly against the Raptors, and the Raptors now are 26th in defensive rebounding percentage. Overall, they're not so bad rebounding-wise. They were like middle of the pack going into last night. Now they're exactly 15th right now in overall rebounding percentage. It's just the defensive glass has been a mess for them. And again, I don't really know what the exact cause of it is aside from like they just play small now. And maybe this is just like something you have to deal with if you want to have those lineups with Serge Ibaka playing center on the court for long stretches of the game. Because They've still been incredibly effective when that lineup's out there. So maybe it's just against like certain individual matchups like Nikola Jokic, like the Pistons game for a couple weeks ago, for example, with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond out there. Maybe it's just like specific matchups where it's a thing you worry about, and if you're willing to make that trade-off and be one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the league against worst teams that maybe can't punish you for your mistakes and for you giving up those extra boards because you're probably going to make them, you know, force them into misses on that, you know, second try or another attempt down the, down the road to sort of even things out because. You know, the Raptors' defense is still very good, as we've talked about. They're among the leaders in effective field goal percentage allowed, and that is hurting them less, or the, their, their defensive rebounding issues are hurting them less because of that. But against the Nuggets, who are a really good team all around, a top-10 offense, and also one of the best rebounding teams with one of the best rebounders in the NBA, period, in Nikola Jokic, like, you're going to run into trouble there, obviously. So... In those specific matchups, whether it's Denver, whether it's, you know, maybe the Sixers, if Joel Embiid is playing with, uh, I don't know who they're even playing with him at the four at this point, like Wilson Chandler, like maybe that's a bit of a a, of a a tricky matchup to negotiate, but like, against those individual matchups, which, you know, admittedly, there aren't that many of them. A lot of teams in the league play smaller, and that's given the Raptors an advantage when they go with Serge at the center, and that's why he started most of the games at center this season, just because that's how most teams are playing now. But against these specific matchups... How do you think the Raptors need to go about sort of mitigating the the effects of their poor defensive rebounding?
0: Well, I, th- I think for one thing, uh, I think Nurse can be a bit more open to playing two bigs in these certain matchups. Yes. Um, there was there was there were little fragments where uh, Denver actually went to playing uh, Plumlee and Jokic together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's something that Nurse can look at. Um, Besides that, um, I really do think it, it is a commitment thing um, on long shot, long rebound issue. I, I, I think that's the thing that sticks out the most to me where the Raptors are doing these flybys and then the guy, and then the shooters are able to get themselves in good position and get their own miss. Um, so that, again, is something that is so fixable that you would think it would be sorted by now, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Um so i think that's another thing that they have to look at uh, part of why my concern has grown of late is because of the way the golden state game went and that is a team that in a lot of ways outside of you know the superstar status on the warriors uh the raptors mirror in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and so for them to do what they did on the offensive glass um obviously jonas Valentinus really struggled in that game um and he's he could, he showed that he can play an important role in closing out those possessions with the defensive board in you know the late third early fourth quarter uh against denver um so that's another crucial factor as well when Jonas Valanciunas is on the court that <laughs> mm-hmm. is arguably his biggest defensive strength yeah the fact that it, if the other guys do what they're supposed to do uh he can just close it out and get the raptors out and run it um so that is another aspect that needs to get better that needs to be consistent uh against these uh, elite teams um now on the flip side of it uh i uh, part of uh, i have a rebounding story coming out soon for the athletic and so one of the things that i find interesting is the fact that you look at 2016-17 and 2017-18 uh the warriors finished 27th and 29th in defensive rebound rate mm-hmm. And they were, split. and and you know, Eric Kareem brought up a good point as well. You look at when when the Warriors played the Cavaliers in the NBA Finals, the consistent advantage that the Cavaliers had was guys like Tristan Thompson just feasting on the offensive glass and giving the Cavs set chance opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it was interesting that uh, today at practice, when Nurse was asked, you know, at what stage do you consider this a problem, or is this just you know one of the trade-offs that you make to, to playing better defense and he said no this is this is a problem now mm-hmm. um so he obviously wants it rectified as soon as possible so um hopefully they continue to work at it and get to uh, a point where, where both the coach and the roster are happy
1: yeah, I thought Jonas was particularly rough in the first half last night. He, like you said, in the in the second half as they kind of got a little bit more focused on grabbing the boards, and maybe maybe it's just a matter of being more attentive to that. I don't I don't even know really what goes into that. I'm not smart enough to know that, but like he did seem like he was kind of just like getting out muscled for balls to begin with, and then the second half comes and he's like, "Oh, he's just coming down with all those 50-50 rebounds." And maybe that's just a, a matter of trying harder. Um I do think, yeah, I agree. I would not hate to see a couple, you know, once in a while go with the two big man front court, right? Because we've seen it work in the past, like Jonas and Serge last year together at the numbers here, they were a plus 6.5 net rating with a 52.5 overall rebounding percentage and a 75.6 defensive rebounding percentage, which is significantly higher than where the Raptors are, are humming along right now. And, in, I'm not saying do it all the time. Like I don't think you should do it all the time because I think we've seen that those two are best separated, and uh, like the, just the results this year have spoken to that. But like in those specific matchups, like you said, like the Warriors don't have to be this amazing defensive rebounding team, but against really good teams that are exploiting it, you bet. It, you sure as hell bet that they're probably going to do something to mitigate that, whether it's playing more of Kevon Looney or in the passes of Pachulia or whatever to try to mitigate those rebounding issues. In the Raptors case, like, they have the horses to do it, and they've only played 12 minutes so far this season together, Balanchunas and Ibaka, the rebounding, it's an infinitesimally small sample, they have, like, a 67% defensive rebounding percentage, that's great, that that's what you want, um, so, yeah, I just think the, using them more often, I'm not saying to do it all the time, and I'm okay with the sort of sparing use of those two together this season so far, because we've seen the results, but in those specific matchups and maybe it's just a matter of nurse seeing one time around the league what teams are going to exploit this specific weakness for the Raptors and then adjusting on the fly the next time they play them like he's still on his first run through as a head coach the Raptors are on their first run through with this roster and with this configuration with their starters it might just be a matter of like waiting to see till later in the season when you've seen teams twice three times exactly what they're going to exploit and then kind of making that adjustment and you know obviously come playoff time you hope you're prepared for all of the teams you're about to come across and you know, okay, if we play Detroit in the first round, this is gonna be an issue. Maybe you start Serge and Jonas or you save some minutes to go with both of those or even get Greg Monroe in there a little bit if you don't think he's gonna be exploited defensively. Um, so I'm not like raising alarm bells like insanely just yet. I just I want to see Nurse hopefully kind of Maybe just look at those in particular matchups that are going to be trouble because, like, look, it's not going to be an issue against every team. Like, look at the Eastern Conference; it's not going to be an issue against, say, the Bucks when they're playing, you know, Brooke Lopez, who's kind of a light rebounding big man anyway, and a bunch of wings around him. I mean, I know Giannis is an incredible rebounder; that could be an issue. But I, I think probably the thing with the that the, the Bucks prefer to do is have Giannis track back on defense as opposed to crashing the boards because he's such a terror on that end. And then you look at the Celtics; like, they're small; they, they play small, the small the time and Valanciunas has usually been a pretty good foil when they do go with Aaron Baines, and they haven't really had issues there. So I, I do think. It's very sort of concentrated, the number of teams that really can take advantage of this very obvious flaw with the Raptors. But, um, you know, it's, it's gotten to the point where there have been enough games where it's been a real major concern that, yeah, you have to start looking for solutions. And I think the solution probably is playing some bigs together um, and, and sort of getting away from just, like, the strict, stringent having Ibaka and Valanchunas only play separately. Like, we've seen it can work just fine in the past. It's not awesome. Like, it's not ideal, obviously, but... Uh, it can get you by. And they they did it a little bit, you know, to Nurse's credit against the Pistons. And I think they had, like, two minutes of it last night, um, if I recall. So it's not like he hasn't gone to it entirely. But, like, I would have not hated to see that unit close the game, for example. Because, like, with the way Paul Millsap is now, you can have a Baca hang with Millsap. I don't think that's that big a deal. Uh, Valanchunas, maybe he gets torched by Jokic, but everyone gets torched by Jokic. Jokic, So maybe you just try to, you know, pick your poison. I don't know. But I, I think, yes, it's a concern There are ways around it. We'll see how Nick Nurse Nurse reacts. And, like, if it's still a concern 25 games from now, you know, 40 games from now, then, yeah, that's maybe more of, like, the alarm bells ringing. Like, oh, man, this is going to be something the teams really exploit come playoff time. That's going to be something to be super concerned about. Um, Do you have anything else before we move on?
0: Um, no, no, I, I think we've run this dry. Yeah, so we
1: got. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got some more stuff to get to. So I'm just, I didn't want to just move on without asking your opinion on, because your, your I opinion is valued I, and, and very, uh, highly sought after in this podcast uh, format. Well, I don't know what the hell I'm saying at this point. Uh, let's get to our sponsor for today. That is Action Heat. Vivek, do you like the cold? Are you a fan? No. Okay, so you're not one enough. of the few people who – or one of the many people who's in the wrong – on the wrong side of history in this. I love the cold weather. It rules. But a lot of people don't like it each their own, man. What's that? To each their own. Okay, well, thank you for not being a real prick about this because a lot of people are mean when I say I like the cold over the heat. The hot weather is bad for me. I sweat a lot. Anyway, if you want to be like me and enjoy the cold weather but also would like to stay warm – Action Heat is for you. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered safely and efficiently to deliver heat via panels similar to the, you know, whatever the the little panels you get in a heated car in those seats, those wonderful seats that you get into in an Uber. That's that's the same technology there. They can reach temperatures up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on each charge, and Action Heat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone or whatever other gadget you have on while you're wearing them. Perfect for any friend or family on your holiday gift list. Great for anyone who works outdoors, skiers, snowboarders, or anyone that just loves being outside and or hates being cold. Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe. Action Heat is available in men's and women's and has great new styles and models just released for this winter season. Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action Heat is the perfect solution to keep you toasty and warm, even in the most frigid winter weather. And we've got a special offer for our listeners to save 20 bucks off your entire order. And you're saving 20 bucks off something that starts at 39.99. It's pretty, you know, a pretty meager starting point, and you can save 20 bucks off even that. So go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. And if you do that and use the promo code LockedOn, you're gonna get a, a discount of 20% off your entire order. That's a fantastic deal. Actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, let's uh carry on. I guess I haven't given my biggest takeaway from the Raptors-Nuggets game. I think my biggest takeaway is uh, the Nuggets are really good, and this loss probably isn't something to be too, too upset about, because that's a damn good team that just came through and beat the Raptors, and Nikola Jokic is ridiculous. And, you know, the way the Raptors played and the way they shot, they were 11-41 from deep. The way, like they just like their their offense looked, the way everything looked, the way their effort looked, their rebounding—they should have lost this game by a lot more. But it's, I think it speaks to how good they are that they were able to hang around, make that comeback late. The bench actually looked pretty good in this one, which is also pretty nice. Um, and you know, it, it was just one of those games where they lost to a very good team because they didn't play their A game. But even then, their their C plus game almost got them the win. So not uh, classic me take. It, it, it's probably fine. <laughs> the Raptors are very good still. Um, what did you think of the Nuggets on their uh, first run through with uh you know this whole compliment of players they have at 16 and 7 this season?
0: Um they're great. I mean, obviously they're missing Will Barton and Gary Harris left this game. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, with and Isaiah Thomas is in back. Uh so
1: I guess they, my full compliment I meant just like all of these guys look <laughs> good and Paul Millsaps here even though he had a rough game like I don't know. They just all look like real players, you know what I mean?
0: yeah yeah no 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 they are very talented i mean i think it was good to get a good look at some of the guys that maybe we don't really see uh like you know the tory craigs and um the monte Morris's. Monte um, morris is a
1: goddamn boss dude he had a rough game but man
0: <laughs> um and then low-key um you had malik beasley and Juancho joe gomez uh having a big impact on the game as well right mm-hmm. so Um, I think we saw that this is a team that's actually deeper than people might think. Mm -hmm. Uh, You you might look at the Nuggets and just think of Gary Harris and Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray um, and obviously Paul Millsap, reigning Western Conference Player of the Week. Um, And I think one of the biggest things for me was you you look at Jokic and when he has his game going like that, um, I don't know what you do because, (laughs) you know, um, with with some guys... uh, or at least with point guards when they're, when they're playmaking in sort of the manner or style that he does, uh, you try to get up in their space and take away uh, what they're seeing on the court. But when you get up on him, he's so big and tall that he just sees over it anyway. Mm-hmm. He can just throw it right over you, so it it doesn't matter. And then when you give him the space, uh, it gives him the chance to sort of uh, maneuver a bit more. You I forget who called him, um, Danny Green called him slippery, right? Like you, you don't associate that with, with a big, but he sort of just, even when he's posting up on you, he kind of just slips off you and just shrugs you off. And, um, he's got those subtle variations in the post where he's able to create space. Um, so he's such a difficult matchup. The Raptors, um, don't really have anyone that can match up with him i mm-hmm. mean there are very few people in the league that could um so that that is obviously uh my biggest takeaway from the, uh, the nuggets roster mm-hmm. jamal murray didn't have a great game but it was i think the growth from uh his rookie season uh to now his third year is evident you, you look at the way he's able to impact i mean yeah he scored 21 points on 21 shots um, but for him to be able to get the, the 8 rebounds and the 7 assists and get other guys involved um, and just sort of stay, stick with it at no point did it seem like he was forcing his game I think last season you might have seen a bit bit of that where um, he tried to shoot his way out of slumps and you know, here he just sort of took shots within the offense, he missed uh, some easy baskets too so mm-hmm. uh, the 21 shots might look worse than they actually were um, so yeah, they're, they're a very exciting team, they're on the rise um but while they're on the rise they're already really damn good so um this is going to be fun and they've they've actually played the warriors uh close the last couple of years in the regular season mm-hmm. so I, I think that'd be an intriguing playoff matchup um just to see how that went because again um like the raptors the word uh, the warriors don't really have anyone that can match up with jokic yeah uh unless cousins really comes out of the gate uh and puts those Achilles issues uh behind him. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I, I think that could be pretty intriguing.
1: Yeah, Jamal Murray, man, that dude, yes, he had seven turnovers last night, but I think you made a good point in that, like, he didn't look rushed or, like, frantic or anything like that, and you figure when a guy does have seven turnovers, he's playing at home, maybe he's trying to force it a little bit, like, he would kind of look a little bit like he's pressing, and that wasn't the case at all, and he might be... Right now, the leader of the Sam Cassell Big Balls Award, where I'm just, like, terrified that he's going to whip those puppies out at some point and just drop a a dagger on you. Like, I was fully expecting him to hit the dagger last night. I know Jokic ended up hitting the crazy-ass floater on that pick-and-roll, which, like, again, Jokic is unfair. Like, how do you guard that dude? He will – like, you can't load up on the ball handler in the pick-and-roll because he – like, Jokic is way too, A, slippery, and B, too depth at if he gets that pass – like, he's going to fire that somewhere, and bad things are going to happen. Or he's just going to do what we saw with that floater. And, like, his just touch is so ridiculous. He's he's delightful to watch, man. And also, he's good at defense. Like, the, I, I, I feel like the... You know, Jokic can't play defense thing was always pretty lazy, right? And I think a lot of it's tied to, like, just the Nuggets maybe not playing, like, a defense-first style. But they have changed that up this season, and they're the third-best defense in the league right now. And Jokic, like, you don't become the third-best defense in the league if your big man is a garbage fire defensively. And he's very much not that. I mean, he factored into one of the biggest defensive plays of the game last night where he... And I think it was Jamal Murray converged on Kawhi when he was trying to sort of make his way around the defense. I think he was trying to, you know, go right uh, to the baseline. And they just, like, completely swallowed him up, forced a turnover there. And, like, that – for your big man to be able to do that and stay in front of Kawhi and force a turnover like that, like, that is – not a small thing, especially when he's as gifted as he is offensively, to keep that dude on the court. I mean, you know, it'd be lovely if the Raptors could keep Jonas Valanciunas on the court more often just because he's so good offensively. Like, you take that and just add point guard skills to Jonas, and that's Jokic, and it's just, it's absurd. So, um, yeah, he's he's really fun to watch. The Nuggets are fun. I thought Hernan Gomez did, like, a surprisingly okay job on Kawhi, which I did not expect to see at all. Um, although there was the one... It was a real bummer, I think, that uh, late in the game, Kawhi had Hernan Gomez on him. He, like, made a fake like he was going to drive. He stepped back, got a ton of separation, and just missed a three. And, like, eventually Kawhi's threes are going to fall, you would think. He was one of seven last night. It seemed like he was kind of creeping back up a little bit before last night. We'll see how it all transpires, but, like, I— the way, like, his shooting motion's still the same. Like, he still seems, like, automatic, right? And I don't think, like, there's his three-point shot's broken or anything like that. I think it's just a matter of, like, figuring it out. But um, once that starts to hit, damn, it'll be, like, lights out. Because, I don't know, what did you think of, like, the late-game offense for the Raptors? I thought it was, like, reasonably good. It was just the Nuggets played incredible defense late, you know, also anchored by Jokic as well. Um, and they got those two threes from Danny Green. One was a bad look. I guess the, the first one was a two, but a couple bad looks. Or one bad look and then one really good look. Kawhi got himself a bucket and, like, looked pretty good. I don't know. What did you think of the late game offense?
0: Um. So, I mean, there were a few issues uh, in terms of Kawhi looking for his own offense. Um, towards the end he had the turnover and I think I agree with you with the shots that you expect those to fall with time Um, I think if anything it was just disappointing or a little I don't even want to use the word discouraging Um, it was just a little surprising to see after the last couple of games that he's had it really looked like he was settling into a groove Um, but then he hit those two big shots uh, uh, in the final minute um, and that last one to tie um very derozan-esque mm-hmm. um so so you, you you had some of the good with the bad um like you said the nuggets were solid defensively um they're very well coached uh, mike malone's doing a great job with that team and they're really turning it around from last season where they really struggled to win on the road they're getting big wins on the road this season um but yeah in terms of the offense itself um I think if there's any concern it's just the, the lack of uh, shots for Kyle Lowry yeah. um, and like his only shot in the fourth can't be that last one where they're just running up the court to try uh, with no timeouts to try and get a shot up uh, to tie the game. Yeah. Um, that, that comes on both sides. He's got to be more assertive in terms of looking for his own offense and Nurse uh, said this at practice today. He's looking to get more sets going for him um, with uh, with Kyle having the primary goal of putting the ball in the basket and not uh, setting other guys up.
1: Yeah, I thought uh, definitely Kawhi. Kyle can't be held to seven shots. He needs to get more of his offense going, especially when like six of those are threes. Like him being more of a catalyst has always been a good thing for the Raptors. So like, and he still had 11 assists. So like, he still did the thing where he's good even when he's bad. But um, yeah, sort of the the balancing act there between Kawhi and Kyle, I think maybe is kind of flipped a little bit more heavily towards Kawhi than you'd prefer. Um, but even then, like Kawhi was good last night. He had 27 on 19 shots. Like it's not that much to complain about really. Uh, he hit that big shot late, and I thought. Yes, while he's kind of taking over the offense a little bit, it's not the worst thing in the world to have that happen late in games, as we've kind of covered uh, in the past. Also, I thought last night there were a couple instances where he posted up and made the smart play out of the post, and that led to very good shots. Um, I think one was a Kyle 3 that ended up hitting, and then there was one, I think, actually on that possession late... Uh, where the Danny Green back-to-back shots missed. I do think it started off with Kawhi posting up, and it was a little bit frantic and chaotic, but he did make the right initial read, I think, to kick it out. And from there, it kind of devolved, and it wasn't super smooth. I think there was like a Pascal, a bit of a bobble, something like that, and some weird sort of, you know, jumpy passes. But... I thought a couple times Kawhi made the right play out of the post-ups, which we, which we haven't seen very much. He's been very sort of like 2015 Jonas found in those where he's just like looking for his own bucket and nothing else. So that was you know encouraging to see. And I think he's going to continue to kind of get more – just sort of incorporated and folded into what the Raptors want to do offensively, but when he doesn't, he's still going to put up 27 on 19 shots and it's going to be mostly fine. Um, we're going to wrap up in just a sec, but first I want to tell you about our uh, social media feeds with the Locked On Podcast Network. Very great resource. If you want to follow at Locked On NBA Net on Twitter or Locked On NFL Net as well, you can get all of the hosts from the network getting their basketball-related tweets retweeted into one feed. So you don't got to go around and follow every single person if you don't want to. If you want to keep your feed clean, you don't want to follow that many people. This is a great resource. For you, you'll get all of those tweets in one spot, uh, and then on Instagram, follow Locked on NFL Net and Locked on NBA Net on there as well. You're gonna get little snippets of the podcast, little condensed takes, condensed little bits of news, all that stuff, with a little video to go with it as well. It's, uh, it's a nice little resource, nice little thing to brighten up your Instagram feed. Uh, so, Locked on NBA Net and Locked on NFL Net on Twitter and Instagram, check them out. All right, let's quickly touch on what the bench looked like. Uh, they kind of looked pretty good last night. I mean, Valanciunas had his you know had his moments of struggle, but also I think he kind of recovered late in the game to be pretty solid. Van Vliet was bad, 1 of 7, of 05 from deep. He continues to struggle, but elsewhere like, I thought it was pretty good for the most part. Um, and now that bench unit of OG, Miles, Valanciunas, right and Van Vliet sports a plus 9.6 net rating somehow as the third most used lineup for the Raptors. I don't really know how that's happening, but it is. Um, are your bench concerns still there, or do you think this is something that like it's just a regular good team problem where your 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 less good players are not as good as your starters, and that's just kind of how it goes.
0: So it looked like things were going downhill quickly already uh, for the bench at this uh, early on. Yeah, uh, you had OG picking up those three fouls. Um, you had Fred uh, struggling. You they were giving up a lot of easy transition buckets and. One thing I noticed was when all that was happening, the Raptors called timeout and immediately Danny Green called all of them over and he was pretty animated with them mm-hmm. um, and gave, gave them a good go. And so I asked him after the game what that was all about. And so he, he just said that those guys were just rushing way too much, yeah. um, not not communicating defensively, not getting back on defense and sort of just told them that they needed to wake up. And so he felt that um, they took those lessons. They went out, and after that, they were able to... uh, He called attacking with patience, which I thought was great. That's something that I thought was a real staple of Fred Van Vliet's game last year, Mm -hmm. which I feel like he hasn't done much of or hasn't done it consistently enough this year. Um, And so I think we saw... Better patience, um, better trust in the past, uh, in passing early. I think what we've seen over the course of the season so far is a lot of individual uh, stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's been Fred VanVleet having his moment. It's been DeLon Wright having his moment. It's been just an individual sort of carrying that bench unit. Which a lot
1: of OG doing that too, passing. actually.
0: Um, yeah, exactly right. And so now. Um, and nurse has touched on it. Like the source of their offense last year was primarily, you know, getting defensive stops and getting out in transition. And so I think you saw a bit more of that. Um, and if CJ, I think showed a little bit, uh, more that he can get it together, Mm -hmm. um, last night. So I, I think if he can make his shots, that changes the dynamic for that unit, Uh, a bit and obviously norm is on the way back he's about a week away um so hopefully all those things come together hopefully um and who knows maybe maybe um along with playing uh pascal with that unit uh maybe you look at danny green playing with that unit a bit more and providing that leadership as well um if if cj doesn't get it together right Mm because then if if you have danny green over cj in that role. that kind of works too, so um, and probably works better. So I, I, there's still plenty of time to figure that out. I mean, ideally in the playoffs, you're going to have one of Kawhi or Kyle on the court at all times. Um, so you don't expect those struggles to continue. And like you said, it's already showing with a plus nine. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think they're out of the woods yet. I, I still need to see it over a consistent uh, stretch.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, We've gone quite a long time on today's podcast, and I'm getting a message from my girlfriend asking if she can come in the office to get a candy out of her Advent calendar. So we're going to wrap this thing up before I get uh, hit. Um, (laughs) uh, So, uh, yeah, this was fun, man. Thank you for coming on. Everyone, it's exciting tomorrow for the Raptors fans who have been clamoring for national coverage all day. You're going to get the esteemed likes of Mike Golick and Trey Wingo and Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman talking about your team all day tomorrow. It's ESPN All Access Toronto Day. Uh, Raptors, of course, play the Sixers tomorrow night. I'm going to have an episode probably drop later tonight just so it's out earlier to preview the game with Jackson Frank of Liberty Ballers and B-Ball Index and a whole bunch of other places on the internet. So stay tuned for that one. Um, But, yeah, get excited for our ESPN All Access Day in Toronto. This should be a good time. It's Giants of Africa night as well should be a, a really cool time in Toronto tomorrow night, and uh, hopefully the Raptors can get back on the winning track. It was a – I think a loss they probably needed, to be honest. They've been kind of resting on their laurels. It was like the least inspiring eight-game win streak of all time. Um, but that's what this team is going to do. They're very good. They're going to fall into wins quite a bit. That's fine. Uh, we will uh, wrap it there, though. Vivek, what do you got anything you, uh, you want to you plug right now?
0: Um, I just put out a story for Raptors Republic just about uh, Masayu Jiri and uh... – the Nelson Mandela, the Mandela 100 event, and you know all the awesome things that he's doing for NBA Africa and just the NBA as a whole. We have an awesome president here, um, and so I wrote about that.
1: Yep, uh, it's hard to argue with how dope Masai Uchiri is. He rules extremely hard. Also, uh, shouts to Team Canada on qualifying for the FIBA World Cup 2019. That's a lot of fun. Shouts to uh, the Scrub Brothers from Carlton. Shouts to Patrick Tatum, the coach of McMaster basketball, who was assistant uh, was an assistant there with Roy Rana. And shouts to all the, the good talent that is not in the NBA but made the trip to go play uh, some weird-ass games in like Brazil uh, over the last week or so. Very cool, very exciting, and uh, the, the, the the things are doing all right. CBS Sports released a list today of like the top five freshmen of the year. Numbers two, three, and four are all Canadians as well. So things are going all right with uh, Canada basketball. So good times all around. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleyShawn. Sp- subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, all that good stuff, yada, yada, yada. You can uh, check out my Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash Raptors. The most recent podcast that went up on the weekend was myself and Josh Howe of Raptors Republic talking about Game 7 of 2014 Raptors Nets, a very good time. Uh, was had by all, so check that one out. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again later, Jackson Frankson and me on the show, and we'll talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors.